Well, it is as though we are not happy unless we're worried about something. So now the concern is Deutsche Bank and its $1.3 trillion in assets. But why? Uh, we'll look at that today. PMI's picked up for services on Friday. Can we start talking about soft landings again? It's been over a week since we had that kind of talk. And this week, it's all about inflation. Well, this last year, of course, it's been all about inflation. But we can fill it in with lots of numbers this week for Australia, for Europe, and the PCEs for the US as well. It's Monday, the 27th of March, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. So, yes, banking uncertainty returned on Friday, this time in Europe with the Eurostox 50 down 1.8%, the DAX down 1.7%, the FTSE 100 down 1.3%. Shares in Deutsche Bank dropped as low as 7.9 euros on Friday from almost 10 euros a couple of days before. I mean, they managed to climb back up to 8.54, but still massive volatility around that. And in contrast, US shares quite healthy with the S&P 500 finishing up 0.6%, the Dow up 0.4%, and a 0.3%. 0.3% rise in the Nasdaq. In fact, despite all the volatility we saw last week, the Nasdaq finished the week 1.7% up. The ASX last week down a little on Friday, but finished the week pretty much where it started. So what about bonds? Well, yields down at the end of the week. 10-year treasuries finished the week at 3.38%, down just five basis points on the week. A similar size drop in yields for uh, for two years, but obviously it was volatile right to the very end. Ultimately, uh, yields didn't move a great deal in Germany, despite the Deutsche Bank concerns on Friday or across the week. And uh, the same for two-year gilt yields in the UK as well, despite the Bank of England last week uh, and and all the inflation concerns. Two years started at 3.24% and finished at 3.20%. You might have thought they'd gone the other way. And on currencies... A stronger U.S. dollar on Friday, up 0.6% on the DXY index, with a corresponding 0.7% fall in the euro and a 0.4% drop in the pound. The Aussie also down 0.6% on Friday, uh, down below 65, uh, 66.5 U.S. cents, just below 67 U.S. cents at the start of the week, so not a big move. So in lots of ways, last week sort of evened itself out, even though uh, it might have been a rocky ride along the way. Uh, more of that this week, perhaps. Let's talk about it with NAB's Rodrigo Catrill. Um, we had a, a day or two last week when we weren't too concerned about banks, but Friday it's back. It's Deutsche Bank in the spotlight. Uh, but, Rodrigo, we've got Olaf Scholz, the German Chancellor, saying there's no reason to be concerned about what's going on. So what is going on? And is he right? <laughs> um, morning, Phil. Yes. Uh, so Deutsche Bank was certainly the source of volatility um, not only for European equity markets, but also at least at the start of uh, the US Open. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, to, to be honest, it, you know, we've read commentary, we've I've read what some equity analysts are saying, and, and there, many of them are saying that uh, some of the, the selling of Deutsche Bank has been irrational and quite excessive. Um, uh, the bank is not in the same position as Credit Suisse, uh, but certainly it's a reflection of, of how you know, concerned the market is. Um, and uh, it wasn't just its banking shares that, that plummeted, but also the credit default swaps, which is kind of the insurance to, to for the debt, uh, yeah. also also widened significantly. So it's just a reflection of how concerned the market is um, about the stability of the banking sector, both in Europe and in the US. Um, and, and it's all these issues around, you know, whether the banks can remain, um, you know, functional and, and with enough deposits as well. Well, the, if the credit default swaps, I mean, in effect, that's making it more expensive, isn't it? So it's costing more to insure. So it is adding uh, an extra cost onto a bank. It's like uh, Franklin Roosevelt. Uh, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. Yes. He wasn't talking about banks, but he may as well have been, because that's sort of what's going on, isn't but it? But it is. No, that's exactly right. That's the issue around uh, the banking se- sector. It needs to function. It needs to have that uh, certainty, if you like, uh, and, and 
if depositors are not very keen on, on putting money in the banks, then the system fails. Um, so that issue of around uh, providing assurities or assurances is important. And, and that's what authorities are trying to do both in Europe and the US. And arguably, they probably need to do a little bit more about that uh, in order to, to make sure that um, mm. you know, depositors and investors in general feel more confident. Well, equities did bounce back in the US, didn't they? More so than in, than in, in Europe. We had uh, Raphael Bostic uh, from the Atlanta Fed over the weekend saying there's, uh, there's clear signs that the banking system is sound and resilient and it's inflation that is still too high. So basically, you know, it was no brainer for us to raise rates as well. What he was saying, uh, James Bullard predicting uh, rates could get over five point six percent. So that would mean a few more hikes to go. If he's right, which would not obviously not what the median dot plot was uh, was telling us, of course. So um, you know there might be these concerns, but central banks are still saying, well, we're still with the main game. We're fighting inflation. Yeah, um, I thought Bullard was was super interesting because he also made the point that. Um, which, you know, many, including myself, I've been making that central banks are more prepared now in terms of these issues around uh, banking or financial stability concerns because they've learned quite a lot from the GFC um, and also the measures that were introduced post the GFC. So um, he was making the point that uh, unlike the GFC, uh, they're not making sort of policy or uh, providing support on, on the fly. They actually have a whole set of tools, macroprudential tools, um, uh, that should help contain financial stresses. So, so he's a little bit more relaxed about uh, the concerns around the banking sector. Uh, but of course, this, uh, you know, as we mentioned earlier, this is about confidence, um, and um, uh, I think the market investors still want to see more measures being introduced to provide uh, that, that level of confidence. Um, but overall, the, the central bank sort of message coming from the Fed, uh, particularly over, you know, over the weekend as well, is um, that they're not concerned that this is uh, going to be, a, a, you know, a systemic risk to the economy or the, to the financial sector. And also importantly, that there's still a, a lot of work to be done in terms of inflation um, and talking about the prospects that there's probably, you know, uh, at least one more rate hike coming, uh, if you believe Bullard 3. Um, and Bullard is not alone there. Mm. There's, there's other, if you look at the dots, uh, there's other two Fed speakers that also think there's three more and one lowly uh, Fed speaker that thinks there's four more coming. So just to, to give you a sense that they're still very much concerned about inflation. Right, but how does that go with concern about the banking sector? If they keep pushing rates up, you know, what's Well, that? I suppose that the base case scenario is that they don't think that these uh, banking concerns will, uh, you know, or rather they think they, they will ab- abate and, and therefore the focus will return back to, you know, how hot uh, the economy mm. is running. So long as they're not holding too many uh, bonds, I guess, and uh, <laughs> yeah. just hold cash. Uh, so, oh, well, look, let's see how that all unfolds this week. So, um, you know, the, the data we saw on Friday, the services PMI, um, of course, anything over 50 uh, means those surveyed expected an expansion in, in that sector, in the services sector. The UK, 52.8, which was down a little, but not a lot. The US, 53.8 from 50.3. The euro area. 55.6 from 52.5. Germany, 53.9 from 51. Those are all quite big rises. So I guess the question is, can that all happen? Can we see this expansion happening while keeping wages in check? And if so, then we perhaps can start talking about and We haven't talked about it for over a week. But we can start using that expression soft landings again. If we see that expansion without wages being pushed up, can't we? Well, yeah. So at, at the moment, the um, the rebound of the services sector has been quite impressive, and and that really is a th- is a theme across the board. 
Um, you know, mm. you, you talk about Europe, and that's the tenth month, tenth month high at fifty five point six. Um, um, whilst there's still that sort of contraction happening in, in the manufacturing sector. So when you look at the composites, and you've got to remember the services sector is actually the biggest component of the economy, it's you know still traveling well, um, and therefore concerns of recession, if you like, um, have, have diminished. Whilst at the same time, the other big theme of all of this is that we've got to remember that uh, the big uh, or one big concern around those inflationary pressures is coming from the services sector. And, and if the services sector is continuing to, to uh, perform well, um, maybe those inflationary pressures will take longer to, to abate as well. So it is a, a, a sort of good news because maybe recession can be avoided yeah. um, or the soft landing can be reached, but also means that those inflationary pressures are probably going to prove more persistent. Yeah, if, if people ask for higher and higher wages, of course. But on the other side, I mean, oil has been falling. We had another 1% off WTI on Friday, 1.2% off Brent. I mean, obviously that uh, that that impacts the headline rate, not so the not the core rate, although it can get passed through, of course. But Brent now down below seventy five dollars. WTI down below seventy dollars. In fact, Brent is only about five dollars higher than it was at the start of twenty twenty, so before the pandemic. But uh, is it going to stay down there? That would be good for inflation. But I'm, I'm sort of reading uh, from the Wall Street Journal this morning, though, that the uh, that it could bounce back because it's only getting lower because of Delta hedging, which I won't pretend to understand. But that apparently means that, uh, yeah, those hedges could finish. Price could come bouncing back up again. So maybe it's not quite the uh, the easy cure for inflation. Yeah, oil is a very interesting one. I mean, if there's, there are seasonality factors. There are this issue that, that there's been less demand for energy during the winter or the northern hemisphere winter and also question marks about the, the real the strength of the recovery in china that's played into into that sort of uncertainty um and and and, and also evidence that there's probably quite a lot of speculators within within the market so all of that is creating that um uh, high, heightened level of uncertainty. Um, I think the big test for, for energy will be as we head into, um, uh, the next winter, if you like, in, in the Northern Hemisphere, which we know it does increase the demand for, for energy, whilst at the same time, if China does perform as many expect, including ourselves, then the competition, if you like, for that limited amount of energy will will see prices rise. Uh, but at the moment, the market is more focused on, on this idea that all this banking turmoil is 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 increasing the risk of of a recession uh, and therefore uh, a lower demand for energy as well. Mm, here we were two minutes ago. We we're talking about a soft landing. Now we're back to talking about recession. That's the way we are. No one's got a clue what's going on. Uh, so, and- well, no, no. So, I suppose the point there is that the central banks are not are dismissing or undermining the risk of of, of the recession. Yeah. But if you look at market pricing and if you look at market reaction, yeah, exactly. the oil market is telling you there's an increase of that. If you look at expectations of rate cuts for yeah, the Fed exactly. and so on, yeah. the market is thinking, well, it's coming. Yeah. So, and yeah, we we keep on getting resilient data, don't we? So, and so you know, we talked about the PMIs and then look at retail in the in the UK on Friday. I mean, it's, it's uh, what is it? 1.5%, uh, ex- excluding auto, uh, 1.5% up in February. Only 0.2% was expected. So, uh, I mean, it could be because... You know, it was cold and wet, and you know, maybe it was cheaper to go into a shop and buy something than it was to stay home and heat your house. Maybe that's part. You know, that's just a theory I'm throwing out there. Yeah. Well, but, but the takeaway overall there is that the consumer remains resilient. Um, you know, retail yep. sales are now tracking two point three percent above Q four in in the UK. So, 
you know, the, the central, the, the Bank of England has been talking about the concern about, you know, the income squeeze and the, the, the slowdown that is coming, but yet it's not coming. Um, and therefore, mm. in, in my view, it has been indicated the, the decision to hike because the, the market is still very tight, inflation is still very elevated, um, and, and the consumer continues to, to go and, and, and spend, um, you know, maybe because it's very cold, but it's still consuming. So uh, there's no slowdown yeah, coming yeah, just it's yet. It's so glum, a uh, bit of retail therapy. The, you know, maybe that's it. Uh, yeah. So uh, what about Japan then? So the Bank of Japan, they must be looking at their inflation number on Friday, which has stayed at 3.3% year on year. They must be looking at that and thinking, you know, well, thank goodness for that. And, you know, if it peaks at 3.3% without budging on interest rates, I mean, that's like a, a magic source that we'd all like to have some of, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so th- there's a bit of uh, details that are very important to highlight in terms of, of, of the number. As you point out, the headline number did come down, which is, you know, good news. Um, and it may suggest that inflationary pressures are easing. Uh, but it's also a reflection of, of the introduction of all those subsidies for energy uh, that, um, that the government has introduced. So that's the one thing. Now, when you look at the core core reading, which is takes out ex fresh food and, uh, and energy, that has continued to rise. Uh, and in fact, is is close to a 40 year high. Um, uh, so that's uh, so the ex food and energy is 3.5. So it went up. Uh, more than expected, um, and you have to go back to the 80s to, to find levels of uh, right. as elevated as that. So um, from a central bank perspective, then underlying pressures or price pressures are still elevated and still increasing in Japan. And I think that that would be a concern. And it also highlights that, you know, this ultra easy monetary policy uh, is, is not really uh, working is 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 creating uh, an erosion of real income and and um, and that's why we think that eventually yield co control should be abolished uh, over coming months. Right, no secret sauce then. All right, the uh, today no. <laughs> the uh, the German IFO read. We also hear from uh, Centiro and Schnabel from the ECB, Andrew Bailey from the uh, <laughs> from the Bank of England as well. Uh, and an important week for Aussie data, isn't it? Ahead of uh, next week's RBA, we get retail sales and inflation numbers out this week. In fact, inflation numbers for Europe as well, and the PC for the US. So it's a it's a week where we can look at just how much prices are going up in many parts of the world. It seems. Yes, and uh, so for for uh, the CPI uh, here in, in Australia, that's out on Wednesday. Um, mm. It's an interesting one because it's the monthly reading. It's expected to ease a little bit, um, but it doesn't capture the full basket that you get in in the quarterly reading. So, um, so the details are going to be a little bit difficult to interpret, if you like, because we know that there's a fair chunk uh, of the services inflation that is missing in the monthly reading. Uh, but nevertheless, it will be important ahead of the RBA uh, meeting. Uh, and retail sales, of course, will be important, which we've got to remember that Governor Law pointed out those four um, data releases that they said was going to be important for, for their decision. Um, we had the, the, the NAP survey, which came out stronger than expected. The labor market was also very solid. Um, so now we need to see what retail sales and, and that monthly inflation uh, number reveals uh, in terms of... But what, what do we think they are going to do next week? Um, well, NAP still thinks that uh, there's enough evidence there that uh, you know should uh, encourage the, the bank to lift their cash rate uh, again. Uh, but of course, this banking turmoil is is a big uh, mm. is a big concern, and and certainly would, you know, give the the the, the RBA that, that ammunition, if you like, to to pause and and to wait to see how things develop. Uh, but the takeaway from other right. central banks so far has been that um, that this this is not a major concern, and 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 they have hiked 
all of them have. So, right. so, so um, I just, just think that the RBA should. Right. OK. So just finally, before we go then. So, I mean, in, aside from all of this, you know, the, the data that we're used to looking at with all of this banking uncertainty, I mean, we should be looking at banking data as well. But what, what, what specifically should we be looking for? Well, yeah, the, the glamour start on that has been, I think it's H4.1, a data release from the Fed uh, that it tells you all that information in terms of what the banks are doing and how much money they're seeking uh, to, to get from uh, from the new facilities that the, the bank has introduced. There's also data in terms of those deposits. And, and we know that deposits, particularly from regional small banks in the US, have uh, uh, left the, the, the regional banks and, and the big banks are benefiting from that. And the other one, which has kind of become also interesting, is the money market funds, uh, because not only the depositors have become more aware that you can get better yields elsewhere, uh, but certainly that you can still have security in those money market funds, given the guarantees. So um, so how that money moves around, uh, it's important because, um, as we talked about, this is this issue of confidence. If, if a lot of money continues to leave the regional banks, then that will be a concern for them. So um, certainly... Um, a lot of focus on, on those numbers. The only problem is that it comes, you know, with one or two weeks lag. So mm. um, you need to be mindful that maybe there's a lot more bad news coming before we see an improvement. Right. H4.1 Thursdays, uh, it comes out apparently 4.30 p.m. Yep. in the US. Yeah. All right. Very good. Excellent. Good to talk. Catch you again soon, Rodrigo. Thank you. Cheers, Phil. And there we go. Another one done. Back again tomorrow morning for yet another one. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening. 